0: Imagine, if you will, two people going into business with each other to start a restaurant.
1: But they've only ever been to fast food joints that were poorly run, had rude staff, and have since gone out of business.
0: These two entrepreneurs have also never looked into what makes a good restaurant, nor talked to anyone who was successful at it, nor talked to each other about their personal vision for that restaurant.
1: How successful do you think they will be?
0: Unfortunately, about as successful as many people getting married. Listen in to find out more. Welcome to A Word from Our Outpost
1: with Joseph and Crystal Gruber,
0: a podcast for captive disciples who are wrestling to be missionary-minded in their normal, everyday lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Direct, O Lord, our actions by thy holy inspiration, and carry them on by thy gracious assistance, that every word and work of ours may begin in thee, and by thee be happily ended. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: Catholic Marriage and Apostolic Life, Part 2.
1: Yeah. And I think this is kind of a tough one, because we're going to talk about why marriage can be crappy. Yeah.
0: Yeah specifically things that might choke off apostolic life from existing or being as fruitful as it could be.
1: And I mean, I think we painted a bit of a dire picture in our little That intro. was like a
0: worst-case scenario.
1: But when when apostolic life is being choked out, that like apostolic life is born out of a shared beautiful abundant life. So if apostolic life is being choked out, that means there's there isn't a shared vision, a mission. There isn't a shared, beautiful, abundant life.
0: Yeah. And the idea of a restaurant, I think, is kind of key, right? The The restaurant doesn't exist for itself. It exists for the community. Um, it doesn't exist only for itself. It exists for the community. And to see that marriage also doesn't exist just for itself, but it exists for the community.
1: Yeah. And I also like this analogy because... If, if we did want to go start a business, I think most people would realize if you wanted to open a restaurant, you would need to do a lot of research. There would definitely be skills that we do not yet have that we would need to obtain, that we would need to learn and to practice before opening a restaurant if we wanted to have any hope of that restaurant being good and staying open. And yet, why is it that we don't think that marriage requires at least that much, if not more, um, skill, skill sets?
0: Yeah, and to see that the preparation actually was a lifelong preparation. It included all of the experiences of the people in restaurants throughout their lives. And if they've only seen poorly run horrible restaurants. So I, I think it's fair to talk a little bit about marriage preparation and to understand it in a fuller light than often is talked about in the Catholic Church.
1: Yeah, so so most of the time when people hear the words marriage preparation, what I used to think and what most people I've talked to recently think about is they think about, I've gotten engaged and to be able to be allowed to be married in this church, I have to go through the certain preparatory steps with this person. And that is one phase of marriage preparation, which is called immediate marriage preparation, there are actually four phases that the Catholic Church asks. Well, three
0: set for sure, and then one uh, strongly recommends, right?
1: Yeah. So let's talk about the other phases briefly.
0: Yeah, real brief. Uh, The the first kind of preparation is the remote preparation. Preparation—the preparation that comes by being born into a family, by being in a community made up of families, where the individual has opportunities to encounter other people, other families, and to see them, um, the ins and outs, the dynamics, and to be uh, enculturated in family life. Like this prepares the heart. Um, you know, we we talked last episode about how the family prepares the heart. You know, when the parents love God and love each other, that is instilling in the children what they need to live a good Christian life and an apostolic life. Um, but it's also giving them an example of particularly marital life. And so that is a kind of preparation that, statistically speaking, uh, people are getting less and less of, um, and, and, and often like a mixed bag Right? You know, even if we come from a whole family, uh, how many families do we know that had uh, divorce in the background um, or other kinds of dysfunction in the background? Or, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe we come from uh, some sort of dysfunction, but we did know other families growing up that weren't dysfunctional in that way. Uh, So you could have like a patchwork quilt of, well, that family across the street had that dysfunction, which we don't have, but we have this dysfunction that they do ha- that they don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- we can see like, okay, there people are building a picture of what marriage is and what it's for from the moment they're they're uh, welcomed into the family.
1: Yeah. And then the next phase of marriage preparation begins when we start to be interested in dating and being married ourselves, but have not yet. Chosen a particular person to marry, so this is that proximate marriage preparation, where this is the phase where we should be learning how to date, how do we pursue romantic interest in a way that is virtuous and healthy, um, and again, this is something that um, is is seemingly less and less available. Um, I rem- when we first started serving as missionaries on campus, we would ask people where they learned to date. And they would say, "Boy Meets World," the television show.
0: They'd have to do some thinking first.
1: Mm-hmm. But oftentimes Boy Meets World was the example. and but as we stayed on campus for many years, towards the tail end of our time on campus, people just didn't have an answer. They just looked at us cross-eyed, like the question we were asking didn't make sense. And so, if we don't learn how to date properly, then learning how to, then how we go about choosing our spouse is going to be terribly overwhelming.
0: And how we relate to the opposite sex is going to be totally strange and foreign. Like, oh, I'm supposed to discern living with somebody of the opposite sex, but I have this vague notion from different media avenues that the thing that I should do when I'm alone with someone of the opposite sex is to make out with them feverishly, right? Like that, that's an odd sort of dynamic to try to project into the future for decades. Okay. We're going to live together. And that's my picture of what we'll be doing for 50 years. Weird, right? Like certainly um, (laughs) not a realistic picture of marital life and not a helpful picture for how to relate to, to men and women prior to getting married, uh, as well. Right. Just, just not good preparation.
1: Okay. So we've identified that we've, most of us probably received mm, at best, pretty okay, remote formation. Um, but we all probably, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Like I said, at best, um, most likely, Zero or n- not good proximate formation, or immediate formation, which I mentioned earlier, is that form that that marriage prep that we receive with a particular person um, varies in degrees again from from terrible to pretty okay. Um, and and this one's tricky because a lot of times um, dioceses or parishes are trying to make up for all the formation that didn't happen in the remote and the proximate.
0: Yeah, when they when they have couples coming in who say, "Yeah, we're living together, we own a house together, we have a dog together." Um, now teach us about what human sexuality is all about. Like, huh? This feels like a lesson that could have come earlier in your relationship in a more fruitful time. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the time was sooner.
1: Yeah. So it's it's just a really And and then for couples that are That are stepping into that space. I mean, our experience, and we've had this a lot of people that we know that are super faithful, orthodox, practicing Catholics. They decide to get married, and then they go to marriage preparation, and then they get told by the priest or the marriage prep coordinator, "Oh, you're great. You've been through you know X, Y, and Z training, or you're actually going to mass every Sunday, so you don't need any." formation which is also not true. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And so it's just this this recognition that that the marriage prep that exists isn't actually made for people that that want a sacrament. And so it's not full enough for that either. So it's just this funny place.
0: So if people are feeling bad from last episode like, "Oh, my family isn't you know, this flowering tree where all of the birds of the community can come and rest. Um, or we're not, you know, successfully converting people by the dozens in our community. Or I'm not, we're not making opportunities at our kids little league game to uh, get to know other parents and we feel horrible. Um, some of this, it's because we, we actually haven't been well formed um so it, it's probably not our fault it, it does become our problem though when we recognize it and so that's the thing we're, we're not going to talk too much about re- resolving these problems in this podcast episode that's what the next, next episode, episode. We'll, we'll talk about uh things to do but we wanted to outline uh the likely the source of the problems right like if During puberty, people are taught nothing about their sexuality, and in order to find out about uh, this whole, like, oh, I have this rush of hormones, what ought I to do? Um, And nobody is there to guide them, nobody is there to instruct them, nobody is there to propose a more beautiful path. Uh, To say that we have a generation of men and now women who are uh, wounded and burdened by uh, addictions to pornography and to masturbation and um, have just very distorted notions of sexuality, uh, we can understand that a little bit more. We can see, okay, maybe some proximate formation would have been helpful. Mm-hmm.
1: And and this is the—so those are the three formal phases of formation that the church says that that we actually need. Um,
0: and then John Paul II— in Familiaris Consortio, paragraph 69, I believe. I think 66 is where he talks about remote, um, proximate, and immediate preparation. And then in, in a couple of paragraphs later, he, he talks about how the church actually should be continuing to encourage and form newly married couples for the first few years. And that one was interesting because he's like, you know, other married couples should step in and take them under their wing. Um you know, go and do that, other more experienced married couples. And just, you know, w- what we've been seeing is that that's not commonly what is done. What is commonly done is, you got married, hooray, now go and flounder.
1: Yeah. And, and then it also seems as though the floundering happens, generally speaking, in five sort of buckets, if I may. So we talked about the kinds of, formation that we ought to have gotten.
0: And maybe didn't.
1: And probably didn't. Or if we did get it, it likely was lacking at least a little bit. And because of this, there are marriage is harder than it maybe otherwise needs to be. And we've seen in particular five different trouble spots that we want to talk about.
0: That are especially related to the apostolic life. Right. There there are all sorts of different ways that marriages could go south in a pretty big way but these in particular we we can say oh this issue leads to a lack of fruitfulness that it just seems clear
1: yeah and and maybe this is a an okay spot to set the reminder that like the audience that we're trying to speak to is catholic disciples that are wrestling to be missionary minded in their normal normal everyday lives so this would be for for married couples that are interested in approaching that and having trouble to take a look at which of these areas could we work on that would help us be more effective, apostolically speaking. Yeah. So the first one is priorities
0: or lack thereof. Or a disorder of priority. Mm-hmm. So either not a shared set of priorities between the husband and wife or uh, there is a shared set of priorities, but they are fundamentally disordered. So things that are less important are made more important. And things that are more important are relegated to the back burner or off the, off the stove entirely.
1: So we see this sort of stereotypically in American culture with the sports culture where people don't go to Mass on Sundays because they have sports practice and the likes. And so this is clearly going to hinder one's ability to have an apostolic missionary life.
0: Yeah, people cut themselves off from the source and summit of the Christian life, it sort of makes sense that downriver, there wouldn't be any fruitfulness. Yeah. Like there's this stream in Ezekiel where it comes from the temple and everywhere that it waters, the trees are, you know, give their fruit in season and out and their leaves are medicine. Uh, but if there's no, if they're not building on the stream, if they're not planting on the stream, there's... Not going to be so much fruit.
1: Yeah. So another one that's a little bit uh, challenging, I suppose, is contraception. If if there's not an openness to life because a couple is purposefully cutting off their ability to procreate, again, purposefully, intentionally, with the use of something contrary to conceiving, um, something that cuts off an act. So we're not talking about like, avoiding pregnancy by not having an act, but rather the use of hormonal birth control or um, having some sort of sterilization procedure done. This is a disordered priority. This is saying that our sex life is more important than our faith or our future children, and it's acting against how God created our bodies to work. And,
0: and And how he created marriage to work, right? If marriage is ordered toward new life, and we say, no, thank you, we're fine with old life, That that's actually closing us off to grace, um, both the sanctifying grace individually, but also the grace of the sacrament of, of matrimony. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a pretty, pretty big deal to have that priority disordered and to still want to be apostolic.
1: Yes. Now, it's a topic that I'm really interested in and fascinated by it, and we could probably record an entire podcast on that alone so i'm gonna i'm gonna let it lie there
0: well done for now well done crystal and
1: move on
0: i don't know if i've ever done that
1: <laughs> i want to keep podcasting with you oh i like saving material for later
0: wow what i like there? podcasting with you too
1: look at that all right so another Speaking trouble spot. Which. friendship friends again or lack thereof um, or a lack of understanding about what true friendship is. I think, I think people desire to have better, deeper friendships, but there's a lack of understanding about what that means and how to go about it.
0: Yeah, and so this can come about a couple of different ways it might manifest, right? We can see, you know, I'm on mission, and that's totally divorced from any kind of real friendship. So, right, people in front of me are a project, not a relationship to enter into right or I'm excusing myself from uh, these relationships so that you know I'm I'm just getting out of the way of Jesus you know I'm just letting Jesus do his thing and, and not actually engaging as a friend would in the life of another um, So that that would hinder any apostolic life but in particular in marriage uh, to not have other friends other than the spouse, or even worse, to not even have the spouse as friend is going to cut off uh, joy, right? Like you can have all the virtues you want, and if 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 I have all the virtues, but I lack friendship, I, I will not have real joy. Uh, and there's nothing apostolic about a joyless person.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that we are made for relationship and and we are ultimately we're made for that relationship with Jesus and and we ultimately need that to be the most important relationship but but that's going to be made richer and made better through relationships with people that are in our life and and so those those friendships are important not only for like apostolically speaking you can't actually evangelize if you don't have a real friendship in in a truly authentic way that's really actually going to bring them to Christ um but also within that spousal relationship that that friendship is what makes the marriage attractive
0: <sighs> yeah yeah when we're living out marriage well it's attractive i hope mm-hmm. when we're not it it is not attractive yeah when I'm not being a true friend to you. I...
1: Yeah, and so I, I guess where I was trying to go with all that is there there is something inherently evangelical in seeing authentic friends whose friendship is based on Christ.
0: Sounds reasonable.
1: Yeah, so the lack thereof is hindering to the apostolic, apostolic life. Okay, number three. I, this one, I, I like this one. I mean, I don't like it at all. But it's a fun one to counteract. Fakery.
0: Did you say fakery?
1: I said fakery.
0: Did we make up a word for this podcast? Maybe. So not being authentic, not being really uh, real, right? To, to, to emphasize the seeming over the being, mm-hmm. right? That line from Hamlet, you know, I know not seems, madame. Um, it's a... Oh, when Kenneth Branagh delivers that line, it's just chilling like, oh, you've been deeply pondering being for a while. And then your mom makes this passing comment and it cuts you. And you want her to know exactly how much it cut you. Because you're not seeming, you're being. Or are you, Hamlet?
1: Who even knows? But And this one's interesting because I think oftentimes when a couple gets married in the church and is faithful and practicing and, and wants to have a good sacramental marriage, there's a fear of sharing the challenges because there's a fear of feeling like you're not good enough or people thinking that you, you're you not actually into the sacrament or you don't like marriage and things like this. And And so then there's this faking it that happens, this pretending to like it or, um, or even just sort of this like, Oh, well we're, we're dedicated to the sacrament. Um, But there's not, again, there's a lack of joy because it's just sort of going through the motions.
0: Yeah. And this, this is linked to the lack of true friends, right? Not being able to be vulnerable with other people. Um, But this is more, like on a larger scale, wanting to always present, you know, the Instagram Instagram perfect family rather than allowing people into the mess of our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult because if it's a mess, therefore it's not complete. And if it's not complete, uh, there's a chance that there's going to be even more failure along the way. But there's also the opportunity for other people to step in and, collaborate
1: and this one's interesting because it it requires intention and it requires thoughtfulness like to be authentic and real requires knowing what you're going after and what you're aiming for and to share your failures means that you were trying to do something and and so that's another piece of the puzzle like sometimes the fakery isn't sort of like an intentional lie a lot of times i think it's just uh, mucking about and not really being sure.
0: So the real problem with the fakery preventing the apostolic life from flourishing is that it gives a model that is unrealistic and inimitable because Mm -hmm. it's not real. Like we can't imitate what isn't real. Uh, So when we're talking to people and and interacting with them, um, living life with them, and we're always presenting a facade, And they're like, oh, I'm really attracted to that facade, but I can't do that. Nor can we. That's why we made a facade. And so, you know, we stop growing, and then we also become a discouraging influence in other people's lives. And that discouragement is not all that apostolic, right? Maybe this is a good time to back up. A clarification when we talk about... um, the Apostolate. When we talk about evangelization, th- these words are founded on the charity of Christ. So, if anytime we're talking about apostolic activity or evangelization, and we couldn't pretty much just as easily talk about loving them truly with the love of Jesus Christ, then we're off a little bit, right? Yes, I thought that was a good clarification.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's it's an important one. I also think it's an interesting lead-in to the next point. Oh, look at that. Um, another hindrance to having an apostolic, mari- um, apostolically-oriented marriage is not being equally yoked with your spouse. And this is an instance where one spouse may actually need to have that love and charity of Christ in a particular way for their spouse before they're able as spouses to look outward. Um, So if you're not both on mission together, you can't. Be on mission together. This one's, I think, a little more... I don't know that it requires much more explanation than that.
0: Yeah, not equally yoked. Thinking about two oxen joined by a yoke in a field. Imagine, like, a giant beast of an ox. And then, you know, a little little thing of an ox um, being yoked together. One getting dragged along by the other one. um, Or... Yeah, I think the image is pretty self-explanatory, but I just wanted to trot it out there for a moment. Thanks. You're welcome.
1: So one of the things that happens when partners are not equally yoked, I think, brings us to this last point that we wanted to talk about, which is avoidance.
0: Bum, bum, bum. So this is interesting, right? Because this is, uh, there's a... uh, hmm sort of trope about men going to work and working longer and longer hours that when they go to their job, they dive in deep because they know what they're doing and they know why they're doing it and they know how to get better. And they're in an environment where other people know what they're doing and know why they're doing it and can help them get better.
1: And when they come home...
0: Those aren't true anymore. <laughs> for for many men, coming home is coming to a place where they don't know what they're doing. They don't. Other people don't know what they're doing. They don't know why they're doing what they're doing, and they have no idea how to get better. And so, sort of excusably, or at least understandably, maybe uh, men will avoid being home so that they can be within their comfort zone.
1: And and this is an interesting thing because we often see in parishes there's usually somebody usually it's a middle-aged woman if we're going to be stereotypical we don't have to be stereotypical they might be in a different demographic and a different gender in your parish however there's usually somebody that's at
0: somebody's
1: and often somebody's who's at everything and they help with everything and they help with the setup and they help with the tear down and they come to make the coffee and they always bring the things and sometimes it's not because they're super helpful and super evangelical i mean i mean they may be that but sometimes it's because there's something going on at home that they don't want to be there for and there's this avoidance of home and that is a that's actually going to hinder that person's ability to live the fullest apostolic life that the Lord is calling them to.
0: Yeah. Just as uh, people may justify going to work long hours because they can do what they know.
1: It's very easy to justify going to church.
0: And to do churchy things. And to think that that's actually what Jesus is calling us to.
1: Uh, And, not that going to work or going to church are bad things at all, but if there is clear avoidance happening, it will inhibit the fullness of your call at church or at work.
0: And we're not making light of the things that might be avoided, right? It could span anything from, oh, I'm just a little clueless about being at home, so I'd rather not be there, or, you know, something awkward happened in our relationship a couple of years back and we. Haven't really uh, come to terms with that, but, you know, we get by anywhere to that.
1: Could be something really terrible that that is actually, it it might not actually be safe to be at home or something like that, Um, in which case, and and so we don't, we don't mean to make these statements as like a judgment of that, but I I think it's clear to see how if there was something that awful going on at home, it, it may be wise to remove yourself from that home situation However, that is also very clearly going to hinder your your apostolic efforts. Um, yeah no. taking
0: steps to address problems is a good and healthy thing. Mm-hmm. even if the partner isn't a good and healthy person. Um, not taking steps to grow and to to live out marriage as best as we're able. Uh, that is going to be a hindrance because marriage comes before, Uh, reaching out to other people and if we say no no i'll just reach out to other people all the live long day and i'm not going to focus any time on the one person that i made a vow to spend the rest of my life to love and to cherish and to try to help them get to heaven that that's disordered and it it will not bear the the kind of fruit that
1: there will be a lack
0: there will be a lack there will probably still be some fruit, mm-hmm. right? Probably tremendous fruit for some people. Uh, but what we're saying is it's a disorder that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. So these are issues, right? Um, avoiding the home and the marriage, having partners not equally yoked, fakery in public, a lack of true friends, either, both within the marriage and outside of the marriage. And just disordered priorities or a lack of shared priorities. All of these things, I think it's pretty clear, these are going to get in the way of living out a fully apostolic life as a Catholic married couple.
1: And a lot of the times we're struggling with these because we weren't properly formed. Right. So it's it's not a matter of blame. It's not a matter of feeling like something's our fault. It's a matter of realizing I wasn't properly formed. I do have lack in these areas we can get properly formed. But this is the depressing podcast, and our next one will be the one <laughs> what about how to how to well, approach these things. Maybe a,
0: a quick story or two as we wrap up, if that's all right. Sure. Um, like we have not been the ideal couple all the many years that we've been married, <laughs> um, and yeah. we've had you know uh, priorities out of whack. Um, I think especially my first year or two as a married man, I was still living life very much more like a bachelor, in part because I didn't know what a good husband ought to be doing. Um, And so I was like, well, I know what I'm doing in my work, so I better keep doing my work as much as I can, because at least there I'm noticed and appreciated and I have ideas of how I can get better.
1: And you can measure your success.
0: In some way, shape or form. And when I realized, oh, that that's actually not only uh, hindering the work that I'm doing, it's also hurting my wife and hurting me. Like, that was a huge wake-up call. I don't know if I've always responded to that wake-up call correctly. It's sort of like the alarm clock in the morning. Do I get up because of the alarm clock? Yes. Do I get up right away? Ugh. <laughs> I offer that example because... No marriage is perfect. Marriages can get better. They're not going to get better if we're not actually addressing the problems.
1: And, and I think that's where, while I keep calling this the depressing episode because it's all talking about the problems, it's actually really helpful to be able to identify and name the problem because then you know where you need to get better and what skills you need to gain if you don't actually, if you just feel crappy all the time. It's harder, to, it's hard to get better. If you realize, oh, we totally are faking it every time we leave the house, you can do something about that. And that's what we're going to talk about next week?
0: Yeah, next week. Would right. you pray us out?
1: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to redeem us because we fail lots and we need help. I pray for Joseph and I and pray for our listeners that we would um, be able to be honest with ourselves and each other about where we can grow and become stronger in our marriages. And we ask all this in your holy name. Amen.
0: Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>
1: From our outpost to yours Thanks for listening And a special thanks to John Mark Scope.
0: That's S-K-O-C-H
1: For the music
0: Check him out on Spotify